and welcome to Vascular Voices, the podcast of vascular disease management, which educates readers on the latest advancements in endovascular treatment strategies and is the official news source of the International Symposium on Endovascular Therapy, ISET, and the Leipzig Interventional Course, LINK. In this episode, which was recorded at the Amputation Prevention Symposium in August, interventional radiologist Dr. Brett Wickman has a conversation with interventional radiologist Dr. John Runback to discuss the role of outpatient practice in treating advanced vascular disease and CLI and talk about how the OEIS serves the outpatient endovascular community. My name is Brett Wickman. I'm current president of the Outpatient Endovascular and Interventional Society. I'm joined on stage here with a good friend fellow OEIS member and colleague John Runback from New York. And we were going to spend a couple minutes talking about outpatient practice, particularly outpatient practice of treatment of advanced vascular disease and critical limb ischemia, talk a little bit about OEIS and the importance of it as a society and what people can do if they're participating in the outpatient environment and they need to be a member. So I want to welcome John and thank him for attending. And uh, John, tell me a little bit about your outpatient practice currently. Sure. Well, thank you, Brett. It's an honor to be able to talk to you. Congratulations on your presidency. You know, that's a big achievement and obviously well-deserved. So, you know, we're proud members of OEIS and, you know, that's because we have a very you know, active outpatient practice, OBL, uh, now accredited as ASC as well. Essentially a hybrid practice. This is actually my uh, fourth foray into this, but you know, we're currently in uh, two centers as part of a large organization called American Endovascular Amputation Prevention. And like you, we don't shy away from doing the most complex, you know, critical ischemia, you know, patients there. We have a hospital practice as well, and we do these patients in both settings. But as I'm sure we'll talk about, the outpatient setting is really fabulous on so many levels. It's great for the patients. You know, they're not right. mixed in with, you know, patients who have other disease states, you know, or inpatients. The delays associated, you know, with that are eliminated. We have focused staff who are highly trained in treating this population of uh, individuals. You know, we're on schedule. The throughput is very, very efficient right. and the environment is extremely friendly. So we found this to be very valuable. And our mission is supported by the mission of OEIS, you know, in you know, building up, bolstering, you know, these sort of, you know, work environments. So that's been a really great relationship. Yeah, I think you, you bring up a couple of really good points. One is the delay factor sometimes if you're at the hospital. Right. Urgent procedures come in and a patient maybe has been waiting there since 7.30 in the morning and you're dealing with a GI bleed or an emergent patient of, of some other that requires some other uh, procedure or requires your attention. And you have these elective patients that are now waiting and waiting and waiting, sometimes hours at a time. Right. And you eliminate that by being in an outpatient environment. And you mentioned that your OBL is now ASC certified. Mm -hmm. uh, that seems to be a trend across the country at least right. that uh, hybrid models are becoming more apparent and uh, tell me about how you went about that and what was necessary to convert to, from an OBL exclusively to a hybrid model. Right, sure. So that new OBL is in New Jersey or ASC is in New Jersey. So there, first of all, a couple of rationales for it. One is as an OBL model alone in New Jersey, we operate under a single room surgical license. So while we have two rooms, okay. you know, we couldn't function in both of them and converting to ASC now allows us that flexibility. And obviously, you know, the reimbursement for these things is different under different point of service, you know, codes. There is, you know, sometimes we do better under one environment than the other. So it uh, was to everyone's advantage that we consider this. The accreditation process, again, working American Endovascular, to we'll be perfectly honest, you know, they kind of went through this. In New Jersey, there is this formal process. We had to go through Joint Commission review, and uh, we passed that uh, review, and then we got accreditation. 
Licensing is a whole different thing. We're a licensed facility, which is an additional challenge because we got our license without an affiliation with a hospital. You know, so we actually had to, you know, absorb or purchase a license that already existed. Yeah. There's a limited number of these licenses. But, you know, the ASC, you know, hybrid model definitely provides us with opportunities. We didn't have a, the OBL alone. Right, yeah. right. OEIS as a society, uh, we always view it as the champion of the cause of the, of the non-hospital side of service. And, you know, it's a multi-specialty society, mm -hmm. primarily interventional radiology, interventional cardiology, and vascular surgery, as you know. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we try and emphasize to people that are practicing in a non-hospital setting is you need to be part of OEIS. And the reason is primarily that we are the voice where the priority is and the main motivation is advocating for this space. Right. Within SIR, within SVS, ACC, or SKY, it's recognized as part of, of what uh, the, those members do practice in a, a non-hospital setting, but it's not priority one or two or three or five or 10 or 15. We've tried to emphasize what's the return on investment for somebody that's practicing in this type of environment and from becoming an OEIS member. And the truth is that we're gonna be, that, that's gonna be where we're centered. Right. So uh, you've been an OEIS member, you've been uh, on the faculty at the OEIS annual meeting for, for several years. Mm -hmm. Tell me about what your, what your opinion is of the society, what can it provide for you? Sure, well, now more than ever, being a part of OEIS is important. You know, we're facing you know, tremendous reimbursement you know, cuts in this outpatient environment at a time where globally we're trying to reduce healthcare costs, but obviously through COVID, the importance of uh, acute care facilities became apparent and you know, the uh, payment is reflecting that. So we've had 21% cuts in uh, our market you know, uh, in the outpatient environment. And you know, unless you have a dedicated voice, you know, an organization that's committed to our interests and the interests of the patients that we treat, we kind of get lost. So right. on that alone, you know, OAIS you know, reflects our interests and the interests of our patients and now provides us a community whereby we can be heard and hopefully you know, institute some change that'll be beneficial for the communities that we serve. On a larger level, you know, the advantages are myriad. I mean, first of all, I have a community of individuals, which I did not have before, that I can share ideas with and more importantly, learn from. How they're approaching things, what their strategies have been, you know, everything from purchasing and inventory through to uh, staffing and triage and patient flow. Pretty much every element that's super important in the optimized care of these patients. I don't have to learn it on my own, right. you know? Uh, and if I have any questions, I have, you know, some amazingly successful people I can reach out to to learn from. We've been part of the registry. That registry is important also for payment. You know, obviously it serves its purpose for you know, MACRA and MIPS, but also we're going to be uh, demanded to provide data increasingly down the line. Uh, and that data is gonna be tied to, you know, the support for the procedures we do. So we know that they're effective, but without data to prove they're effective, you know, these things are always in jeopardy. And OAIS provides that additional level support through the registry. So that's just sort of touching the surface of things, but I think each of those is extraordinarily important and valuable and reason to be a member of OAIS. Yeah, the registry is really a, has so much potential. It's a, it's a very powerful data set over 31,000 entries uh, in the peripheral vascular module. There's a cardiac module that's coming, should be live here within the next couple of months. It's really a tremendous resource to provide exactly the, the quality data that you're talking about to prove what we all say is true and what we believe to be is true, that we can do this safely. We've proven that we can do it safely. We wanna have the same outcomes. And I think the only way to capture that data is by 
becoming an OAS member, participating in the registry, and that's really the best way to move things forward. Right, and it's important, you know, you know, we have to dispel this myth that these, you know, patients who have significant, substantial comorbidities can only be treated in an acute care facility. As you and I know, having done this for many years, that's not the case. In fact, I would argue they perhaps get better care in specialized outpatient facilities than they can right. in the hospital. You know? Yeah, you know, you mentioned something too. You can rely on a community of like-minded providers. When we, our group, first started this uh, venture, it was in 2006, mm -hmm. and you kind of did it on your own. You had to figure out the pathway to become an OBL. You had to figure out the certification process. And, and now there's many companies out there with kind of a turnkey operation. Right, absolutely. It sounds like you've engaged with one of those companies and it probably made your life easier. Yeah, I know, 100%. You know, I too had a failed you know, effort going back before 2006 in Manhattan. It's a challenging market, sure. I admit, but uh, you know, I didn't have that support. You know, there was not enough recognition of the outpatient OBL ASC environment for me to have partners to help me, you know, navigate the, you know, at times turbulent waters. The availability of uh, OEIS has sort of changed this. I mean, you brought credibility, you know, in large degree to what we all believe in and, you know, have been practicing. Yeah. Well, I think OEIS is, even though it's a young society, we first started the society about nine years, almost nine years ago now. Mm -hmm. And it's really progressed a lot. I think that there's been a lot more attention on this space. Again, you mentioned the COVID effect. Right. And uh, one of my goals as president to increase the membership. So we certainly appreciate you and all your partners becoming members. And uh, anything else you want to add to the importance of OEIS? Or if there's anything you can encourage for folks that are maybe thinking about this space. Are you bullish? Are you bearish on this, uh, this space going oh, forward? Oh, yeah. I think this is going to be the, the way of the future. Uh, I'd argue it's the way of the present. We're seeing it. You know, everybody we talk to now has an interest in moving into this environment. And we've got to get that groundswell so that those people who might have been our adversaries, you know, whether it be hospitals or payers, now our allies, you know, right. and that's what OAIS provides an opportunity for us to do. Yeah, yeah. Well, I appreciate your time right. and your comments, John, and right. uh, look forward to seeing the, the next meeting, which is probably gonna be about a week or so. All right, always great to talk to you. I mean, you are one of my best friends. I can't tell you how highly I regard everything you're doing. Yep. Thank you, John, appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. That does it for this episode of Vascular Voices. Thank you to Dr. Brett Wickman and Dr. John Runback for being our guests. To find more podcast episodes, please visit vasculardiseasemanagement.com. Thanks for listening.